Welcome to the Indianola First Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Our prayer is that this message will inspire you, encourage you, and launch you into life-changing action. Great. All right, so as you can tell, I have two different processes and ways of cooking up here today. All right? I have, over on this side right here, I have the microwave, you know, how many people have microwaves in your house? All right, great. Uh, I have the microwave. This is a quick, easy way of fixing food or reheating your food. Well, I, I've never done this before until today, but I cooked a steak. Actually, this morning, I cooked a steak inside, not this microwave, but a microwave. All right? Yeah, that's, that's a response I expected. You know, I, I told Mac Rankin I was going to do that, and he was like, ugh, you know? I had this thought, and I was like, ugh, like, I don't know if that's going to be good. Well, it's not. It's not good. (laughs) No. But there was a process to cooking it, all right? And here is my process. I went to Hy-Vee. I I bought a steak. I brought the steak home. I put it in the refrigerator because I knew it wasn't going to take too long to cook, and I could cook it this morning. And I got up this morning. I put um, this beautiful T-bone steak inside my microwave at home. And I cooked it for a total of seven minutes. Disgusting. It, I, I didn't even want to, I cut into it. And I was like, I ain't eating that. It's done. A little too much done. Like, I, would anybody want to eat a seven-minute steak in a microwave? No, I, I didn't think so. It, there was no seasoning. I didn't put any seasoning on it because that would cut into the process. Um, and that's, that's it. Bada bing, bada boom. I'm done. I made a steak. This is actually for Molly later. I'm going to make her eat it. Uh, she was mean to me this morning, so she gets this nasty steak. <laughs> Joke. I'm not going to really do that to my kid, all right? I'm going to throw that away. But seven minutes, maybe, maybe 15 minutes in all with my drive time and all of that stuff. But it was quick. It was painless. And honestly, it was not hard to get the steak done. And actually, I had the rest of my day to do whatever I want. I can do whatever I want today. Now my food is cooked and it's done. All right, so very easy. Now, if we look over here, we have uh, Chef Matt. I'm gonna call him Chef Matt today. Go ahead, stand up and wave, Matt. I won't make you come up here. He almost fainted when I asked him to come up here, but (laughs) Chef Matt over there, I called him up and I was like, hey, you do a lot of cooking on this thing. It's a Traeger or a smoker. I asked him if I could call it a grill. So if I call it a grill, don't get mad at me. And he, got, he said I could do it. So talk to Matt. Uh, <laughs> but this is a smoker. And I asked if he would smoke some meat for me today. And he said yes. And I was like, very grateful. Because then I asked him, well, what is the process to actually smoking Meat. I don't, I don't really know the process. I don't have one of these things. If anybody wants to bless me with one, I'm open. But... <laughs> That's right. That's what we need to do, right? So maybe. Uh, but uh, so then I asked him, what is the pro-? after he already said yes, what's the process to this? So I want to take you through the process of cooking, uh, of smoking meat. All right. He went to the store. Where did you get your, where did you get this piece of meat at? Hy-Vee. Hy-Vee. So he went to Hy-Vee as well. And he, uh, in this case, he got a, a pork butt. I'll show it to you. Here you go. He made that. Very nice. It's pretty. That's a pretty good job. It looks way better, way more juicy than that steak. That thing looks dried out in like a Frisbee. Like I could throw it and hurt somebody with that thing. But I asked him to cook it, and here is the process. He had to go to Hy-Vee. 
He went and got that. He brought it home. He uh, put a rub on it, right? And was this your own rub that you made, or was it just one that you bought? Just one that he bought this time, but you have made rubs before, correct? Okay, so he got this rub. He put it on there, and then he had to let that rub sit on there for 30 minutes. So already, this process is longer than this process, all right? Just by putting the rub on top of this meat, it is longer, all right? 30 minutes, uh, it sat on there. Then he had to um, get the, the, the smoker to the right temperature, 225, okay? So he got it up to 225. Once that was up there to temperature, he could put the meat on there. Then the process kept going because now he had to check the meat to make sure it was cooking and progressing correctly um, because if it's not, then that's just a whole different adversity that he has to deal with. But uh, he had to check it, but he couldn't check it too much because if he checked it too much, that could ruin it too. So he had to check it the, at the right times and make sure everything was going good. And uh, as you see, it was. Uh, he didn't want to mess it up. He had to make sure the temperature of the grill or of the smoker stayed correct. So he had to add pellets to it. He had to do it twice in this one process. And this process, all of it um, together, takes about 12 hours. All right. He had another piece of meat on there. He said it took about two and a half more hours. So 14 and a half hours for uh, the meat he took home and ate. But 12 hours, 12 hours in total for this piece of meat to get done. Did I miss anything with this process? No, besides now you have to shred it and eat it. But the, the process of making the steak, 12 hours. This process, a little bit longer than the process of the seven-minute steak, all right? Um, but I think everybody in the room can agree that, uh, that the meat, when gone through the correct process of using the Traeger, is always going to be better than the meat in the microwave, correct? I think everybody can agree on that. I don't think anybody in I would be like, yeah, I like the steak in the microwave, you know? <laughs> no, all right? We all would rather have that. The process of using the microwave, yes, much faster, easier, but the outcome, much worse, all right? I'm not even going to attempt to eat that. Um, especially if we put that meat up against that meat, it's just no, no comparison. That's going to win every single time. This morning, I believe the same idea can be applied to our lives, all right? We will look at scripture today and see how God at times uh, takes his people through a process, takes us through a process to reach the end goal that he has for us. Now, don't get me wrong, we serve a God that can heal in an instant. We serve a God who can bring a breakthrough to our lives in a blink of an eye, all right? But as we look at the word today, we will see that sometimes God's ways can take us on a journey and he will lead us through a process, which is really hard sometimes to handle because I think we live in this microwave society. Everything about the world today says we want it now, we want it quick, we want it our way, and I don't want it to hurt me at all, all right? I don't want to take any time, just give me everything right now. Quick, easy, and painless, that's how we want. But sometimes God says, hold on, there is a process, and I'm going to lead you through this process if you just wait patiently and trust the process. It's not very fun to hear, it's not very uh, exciting to, to know that, oh my gosh, there's going to be a process to, to this thing I'm in. Yes, there is, but we need to trust that process. Joshua 
and the people of Israel had to trust the process that God gave them when they got into the promised land and were standing in front of Jericho. Now, many of us, we, we've heard this story in Sunday school. Maybe many of us had to march around the room seven times and then yell and, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't know, maybe you had blocks built up and somebody kicked them over or something. I don't know. How many, how many people had to march around a Sunday school room? Um, yeah, th- okay, yeah, a lot of us had to march around a Sunday school room or a children's church. But today, let's do that now. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I saw people start to sweat. Oh, no. No, we're not going to do it. It's all right. Many of us, okay, we've done that. But today, we're going to read it with fresh eyes. And we're going to see what we can learn from Joshua and the city of Jericho about trusting the process. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them up. If you have your phones, iPads, whatever you got, we're going to go ahead and read Joshua um, verse 6, or chapter 6, sorry. Chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. We're going to read that together. If you don't have your Bibles, that's all right. It'll be on the screen. So we're going to read it together. It says, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear them sound a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout, then the walls of the and the wall of the city will collapse, and the people will go up, every man straight in. So Joshua, son of Nun, called the priests and said to them, Take up the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, and have seven priests carry seven trumpets in front of it. And he ordered the people, Advance, march around the city, with the armed guards going ahead of the Ark of the Lord. When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the Ark of the Lord's Covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priest who blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the Ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. But Joshua had commanded the people, Do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voice. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Then shout. All right, so Joshua 6, 1 through 10. There's more to the story. We'll talk a little bit about that here in a minute. But now here's what's going on with the Israelites. They've been traveling for 40 years on their way to the promised land. And really, that should have been only an 11-day trip. But it was a 40-year trip. So these guys, which that's a sermon for another day, don't worry. But they're, they finally, after 40 years, finally get to the promised land. And the first thing they have to do is they have to conquer a city. But not just any city. They had to conquer Jericho. Now Jericho was, had these huge walls built up. They stood about 30 feet high and were about 20 feet thick. Actually in verse 1 it says, Now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. So they knew they were not just going to walk in and say, Hey, we're the Israelites, we're here, Jericho's ours. They knew that they weren't going to do that. They couldn't just go in and take over the city that way. They knew it was going to be a difficult job that they had ahead of them. And Joshua here does the smart thing. They get to the walls, they get to Jericho, and instead of just saying, hey, this is what I think we should do, guys. Why don't we just gather up and just, you know, run into the, run in, pillage it, and win. He didn't do that. He went straight to God, and he asked God, hey, God, what is the smart thing to do here? And, and God lays out a process in which the Israelites needed to follow. 
I'll tell you right now, this process was not like the microwave steak kind of process. This process that God lays out for the Israelites and Joshua is going to be more like, like the Traeger, let's, let's smoke the meat for 12 hours kind of a process. And I'm sure Joshua would have loved it if God would have just said, hey, draw your swords, run in there, and just set everything on fire and win. You know, I got your back. We can do this together. It's going to be easy. But God didn't say that. God said, nope, this is the process that I, I, I'm laying out before you. You need to go tell the Israelites, and you guys need to do this process. God says, you will take the city. You're going to win, but you need to go and get an army ready. And this army will need to march around Jericho one time a day for six days. You also need to get seven priests and have them carry trumpets and walk in front of the Ark of the Covenant again one time for six days. You'll need to find people to carry the Ark of the Covenant. Then God says, while walking around the city these six times with, with the armies, or one time for six days with the army and the priest and the Ark of the Covenant, you will also need to stay silent. Don't say anything. Don't lift up a shout. Don't do nothing on these six days. Just walk around the city. But this is what I want you to do on the seventh day, God says. God says, I, I want you to walk around the city seven times. And at last time, I want you to blow the trumpets, give a loud shout, and I'll have those walls come tumbling down. Know that this, this city um, was about an eight-acre plot of land, all right? So they had to walk around this eight acres once a day for six days. And then they had to walk around seven times for, on the seventh day. Then they had to blow the trumpets, lift up a shout, and God's like, we got this. That's all you have to do. Not that hard. Just do it. All right? Once they all had the process down, I believe they all needed to do uh, a couple things in order for this process to work. And I think we can learn a few things today about the process that God might be taking all of us through to reach the end goal that he has for us. He has an end goal for us. There's a process in here, and there's some things that we might have to do. The first thing that the Israelites needed to do to trust the process, and we need to do to trust the process is we need to do just that. Trust God. So if you're taking notes, write it down. If you've got your phone, you can take notes in that. Trust God, first point. Joshua 6, 2 says this. Then the Lord said to Joshua, See, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and its fighting men. I love this scripture because right off the bat, God tells Joshua the outcome of this battle. Right off the bat, before God says, Here is the process, God says, You win. Okay, remember that. God saw the victory before the battle was even started. Before it was even fought, God knew they were going to win. And he told Joshua. It wasn't a secret. It wasn't this thing that God was just holding close to him and being like, okay, I'll see if he does this stuff. Then maybe he'll win. No, God says right off the bat, you will win. So that meant Joshua knew the ending before anything had even started. He knew they would win and conquer Jericho. All he had to do and all that the Israelites had to do is trust what God was telling them. Even though the, when they got to Jericho and they looked up and saw how big and how tall these walls were, even though the mission that was laid out before them looked pretty impossible, even though the process that God presented to them seemed a little crazy, the job that the Israelites had and the, God, and, and the job that Joshua had was to trust God. God. Trust that he told what he told them he was going to do, he was going to do. Even though it seemed like a long and drawn out process, they couldn't cut corners, they couldn't rush the process, they just needed to trust the process that God was laying out before them. And if they did that, they knew the outcome. 
a win. The same is true uh, with the process of this, of this Traeger right here. We all know the end result is going to be a delicious hunk of meat that we can just ravage and eat, all right? Uh, <laughs> we, we know that, but we have to trust the process. We have to trust the instructions. We have to trust that, that we have done what we needed to do to see this come out. Matt had to do that. We can't just say, well, this thing cooked for four hours. It's good enough. I mean, I, I do that all, sometimes anyway. It's fine. I'll just take the meat off at four hours. It'll be fine. No, it won't. You didn't trust the process. You got into your own understanding, your own thinking, and you took it off, and it's not going to be as good as it could have been if you would have just trust the process. Maybe, maybe the microwave steak at that point might be better. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. Maybe the microwave steak might have been better at the four-hour mark, but I don't know. You can't buy a Traeger and just say, well, I've cooked steak before. It's going to be fine. However, you have to read the instructions, trust instructions, trust the process of the Traeger, and believe the end result is going to be something great. There are so many things in this life that, that we are willing to put our trust in. But when it comes to God and our lives, we tend to say, I got this, God. Don't worry. I will, I will take control. I will, I will handle this process, God. Don't worry. And, and we always, most of the time, we want the fast, convenient microwave version. God's process doesn't always fit our immediate gratification society. Proverbs 3, 5 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. It says not to lean on our own understanding because our own understanding is limited. It's imperfect. And really our own understanding will more than likely lead to error. The thing that God might be leading you into may seem impossible. It might seem crazy. It might seem like it could never happen when you use your own understanding. That's why we need to put our trust in God and the process he is leading us through, even when the process seems crazy and it seems long and it seems impossible. I'm sure to Joshua and all the other Israelites, what God was telling them to do seemed nuts, seemed impossible. But really, their job was not to, to, not to question God, not to question the process that God was giving them. Their job was to trust God and trust the process he had for their lives. If they did that, they already knew they were going to have a victory. They just had to put their trust in God. And I just want to encourage all of us, whatever is going on in your life right now, I want to encourage you and remind you to put your trust in God. Put your trust in the process that he is leading you through. Don't try to walk this life on your own understanding but trust in the Lord. Now, that's not the only thing that Joshua and the Israelites had to do. Yes, that's one thing that we need to do that they did. We need to trust God. Then we have to have total obedience. We see total obedience. What does total obedience look like? If we go back into the story of Joshua and the walls of Jericho, we see a great example of total obedience. We see that God gives Joshua the process that he and the Israelites would have to do. Then we see something really great in verses 8 and 9. It says in Joshua 6, 8 and 9, When Joshua had spoken to the people, the seven priests carrying the seven trumpets, before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets and the ark of the Lord's covenant following them. Verse 9 says, The armed guards marched ahead of the priests who blew the trumpets. The rear guard followed the ark. All this time the trumpets were sounding. If you keep reading on in verse 11, 12, 13, 14, each and every day Joshua and the Israelites got up 
and they obeyed God every single day. In all of these verses, there was never any of the Israelites being disobedience, disobedient. There was never an Israelite being like, man, this is day four. I am beat. I'm not going to walk around the city today. I'm not going to obey God today. No, in all those verses, they got up and they were obedient. They walked around the city. They marched around the city. No matter how tired they were, they did what God told them to do. That is total ob- obedience. If they were not obedient at that time, they, they probably would have never saw the walls fall. They would have never conquered Jericho. But they were obedient. A lot of the times, we, we who live in this microwave world want a breakthrough. But we don't want to obey God, what God says in order to see that breakthrough. Obedience sometimes doesn't always make sense. We always want things to be comfortable, and we always want things to fit in this order, and God says, no, it's not always like that. Obedience doesn't always seem like that. I can remember when uh, God called me to move to Indianola 16 years ago. Like, I was here doing an internship. I still had, like, two years of college left, and I'm, I'm working here. I'm doing things. I was only supposed to be here for six months, and I just felt like God was saying, hey, you need to move here. You need to come here. I'll tell you, the only thing that I had at 16 years ago was more hair. I didn't have a house. I didn't have uh, a job. <laughs> I didn't have um, a wife yet. I just had a fiance. I didn't have money. You know, I was supposed to be going to college, but God says, I want you to move here. I remember calling Megan up uh, and I was really nervous to call her up because we were getting married that year. And I had to call her up and tell her, hey, God is calling us to move to Indianola. But don't worry, I don't have a job. I don't have money. I don't have anywhere to live. It's, it's fine. You know, I, I, also I was nervous. I was like, oh my gosh, I have to call her and tell her this. But I did. And Megan's not a huge fan of change all the time, all right? Uh, it's not a secret, but uh, whatever. She's not. So I, that's, that's also why I was really nervous because I'm like, everything is going to change when we move here, you know? But I called her up, and I, I, I remember this, and I was like, hey, Megan, you know, God is calling us to move to Indianola. I'm going to help out at the church. I, again, I don't have a job. I don't have money. I don't have anything, you know? And I just remember her saying, yeah, I know. God has talked to me. I was like, oh, <laughs> this is definitely the Lord, all right? So I'm going to be obedient to you, Lord, even though I had other people saying, you need to finish school. Even though the, 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 me moving here was not comfortable, me moving here was not what, what society would say that should be done at that time. I should go finish school. I should go and, and get a job. I should go get some money, maybe. I should get a house for us to live in. But you know what? God provided all of that when I was obedient. I just needed to step out, trust him, be obedient to where he was calling me, to where he was calling my family, and he provided everything that we needed. God has our best intentions. God loves his children. We are his children. And obedience doesn't always seem comfortable. It doesn't always seem like the right thing to do. But if we're just obedient to God, he will take care of his kids. And I, you know what? I wouldn't change anything. Looking back over these last 16 years, God is amazing. God is good. And I love where, he, where he's leading me and my family. I just have to be obedient. There are so many more benefits that come from total obedience. I'm not saying obedience is easy and always fun, 
but there are, the benefits definitely outweigh the negatives. Deuteronomy 5.33 says, Walk in obedience to all that the Lord your God has commanded you, so that you may live and prosper and prolong your days in the land that you will possess. If we walk in obedience to everything that God is commanding us to do, we will prosper. He will be there for us. He will, he will uh, heap blessings onto our lives. Jeremiah 7.23 says, but I, but I gave this command. Obey me, and I will be your God, and you will be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you, that it may go well with you. Our job, walk in obedience to everything God is commanding us to do. His job is to, to help us get through it. His job will be there to back us up. His job is going to be there to love his children and to see us through this process. We need to trust and be obedient. We can see how God blesses obedience with Joshua and the Israelites. Because they were obedient with walking around Jericho and how they, how they walked around Jericho and they trusted the process that God was leading them through, on the seventh day, as they walked the seventh time around, around Jericho, and at the right time, at the right moment, they shouted and the walls came tumbling down. God came through because they were obedient. God is going to come through in your life. Be obedient. Be obedient to him. Trust him. They didn't cut corners. They didn't complain. They didn't take the microwave way out. No, instead, they obeyed and put the work in, and because of that, they were blessed. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than, than your thoughts. We sang about this scripture today. This is a scripture that we should all memorize, because when we don't want to obey because it seems like the long way around, or we don't want to obey God because it just doesn't make sense. It, do, it makes us feel uncomfortable. You can remember the story of Jericho and remember how our thoughts, they're not God's thoughts. His ways, they're not our ways. They're so much higher than our ways. So we need to listen to what God is telling us. Trust what he's telling us and not question his ways, but obey his ways. Because when we obey him, there is victory on the other side of this process. The process might look like this treasure. It might not make sense to, to, to me. <laughs> it might not make sense all the time. It might, it might, I look at that and instantly I'm tired. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I just, I want Matt to do it and me eat it. All right. I don't want to stay up till 1130 watching uh, meat cook slowly. Doesn't sound fun to me. Eating it sounds like a blast. All right. It looks long and tedious the process does not look fun to me. But just remember, there's good on the other end. <laughs> there is good if we wait, wait it out. There is greatness waiting on the other side of this process. But as you are going through the process, keep obeying God. Keep obeying his word. Because his ways so much higher than our ways. There's a blessing and a victory. Just keep obeying the process. <clears throat> We need to trust God, have total obedience. And, and there's, there's one more thing that we need to do and, and that the Israelites did. We need to take on adversity. We need to take on adversity. This life is going to throw adversity your way now and then, all right? It's not a secret. 
It's not a trick. Um, I mean, just turn on the news for five minutes and you can see there's adversity out there. In fact, Jesus says in John 16, 33, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Jesus himself said that we are going to have some adversity, that we will have some troubles. How are you going to deal with that adversity? You can either run away from the adversity, from the troubles, or you can face them and take them head on. Let's see what Joshua and the Israelites did when they faced adversity. Because you and I know that, that Joshua and, and, and the Israelites, when they got to Jericho, they faced adversity. I mean, they finally get to Jericho and the promised land after 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. And right away, adversity hits them. They had to look and see that there were huge walls in this town that needed to come down. They needed to go. Then they could look at Jericho and see um, all the stuff that they had to do that was surrounding the town and the cor- uh, in the course of the, of the walls needing to come down. These were not ordinary walls to build around Jericho. Again, we, we talked, they were 30 feet high, 20 feet thick. They, were, they looked impossible to, get, to bring down. That's just some of the physical adversity that they had to face when they came up to Jericho. I wonder what was going through their minds when they got up to Jericho. I mean, here they are, um, and God gives them all this stuff. I mean, they probably were like, that's a lot of walking. I'm going to get tired. That, you know, there was Canaanite people all up on those walls, probably making fun of them, ridiculing them. They had to deal with all that. They couldn't say a word. I mean, I would just wonder what kind of adversity each person was going through in their own mind, the struggle that they were going on in their mind, uh, the adversity that they might face with the weather. I mean, this stuff wasn't even mentioned. What about the weather, the fatigue um, that, that was setting in? They were probably getting tired. All that I'm saying is the Israelites faced adversity. But yet nowhere in this passage did they give up. Nowhere did they complain or curse God. So how can we take on adversity when we are faced with it? When we are faced with adversity, how can we take it on? We could take on adversity by being people of his presence. We have to be people of his presence. We could see that in the story of Joshua and the Battle of Jericho, they had to carry the Ark of the Covenant with them as they marched around Jericho. The Ark of, uh, the, Ark of the Covenant was the presence of God, and they had it with them through the whole battle, every single day, every step of the way. Every time they marched around that city, they had the Ark with them. They had the presence of God with them. Joshua and the Israelites carried God's presence with them even when they couldn't see the outcome. Through the whole process, they had the presence of God with them. Now, the Israelites had to carry the presence with them, but I'm telling you now, because of Jesus and the release of the Holy Spirit, the presence of God is with us, and it will carry us through this process, through whatever process you are going through. So we can have what John 16, says we can have. We can have peace. We can take heart because Jesus has overcome the world, and his presence is with us, and it's going with us everywhere we go. God has given us so many promises in the Bible when it comes to taking on adversities. Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through him who who gives me strength. Romans 8.37, knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. 1 Peter 5.7, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. When we face adversity, we tend to forget these promises. We tend to forget 
what, what, what was promised to us. We tend to forget that we can do all things through Christ. All things, not some things. We can do all things. We can get through every single process that God is leading us through because of him. We, we can remember that we are more than conquerors. On the other side of this process is victory. But we have to walk through it. We have to go through it. We have to remember that you know, the presence of God is with us. We have to remember to, to read our Bible. We have to remember to get in the word. We have to remember to praise God. We have to remember to do all these things. And these promises are with us. Let's work the process, go through the process with God. We forget that we have victory over Satan and his attacks on our lives. God cares for us because we are his children. God cares for you because you are his child. And he wants, his, he wants us to be people of his presence and let him take care of the adversities that we're running into. Give them to him. Cast those on him and let him take care of them. Too many times we think we, can't, we, we can do everything ourselves and we stop trusting the process that God has laid before us. We need to be people who relax in his presence. Be people who trust, obey, and let God do what he says he's going to do. Trust the process. So with all that being said, let's take another look at the two processes of cooking the meat right here. Obviously, one is better than the other. Obviously. It took time. It was a process for Chef Matt to cook this. It was, a long, it was long and it took a lot of energy, but it was 100% totally worth it. I understand that this is kind of just a silly illustration. I think we all understand that. But let it speak to you today. Look at your life. And are you staring at a Jericho wall that you want to fall? Are you in the middle of a process that you thought would be over? This morning, be encouraged. Leave here excited about the process. In order to do that, you're going to have to walk through this process with God. And you'll have to do a few things. We have to put some work into this too, okay? You need to trust God. Trust his ways because they're so much higher than ours. Walk in total obedience even if it seems to be different than the world. Even if it seems to take you out of your comfort zone. Obey. Total obedience. God, I am obedient to your word, to you. What you are telling me to do, I want to do. And don't fear adversity, but instead take on adversity because we serve the God of the victory. He wins. He knows that he has the win even before the battle has begun. We know we have the win even before the battle has begun. God has promised that to us. So we have to remember those three things. Now, I want to tag on one more thing that we should all do as we are trusting the process and going through the process. This thing is some, sometimes the hardest thing to do, especially when we're going through a process that doesn't feel good. We've all been there, right? Maybe some of us are there right now. Yes, Joshua and the Israelites trusted God. They had total obedience to everything uh, that God told them. And they for sure took on adversity that came their way. But do you want to know what really brought those walls down, what really took the walls of Jericho down? It's what they did on the seventh time around on the seventh day. Joshua 6, verses 16 and verse 20 says this. It says, The seventh time around, when the priests sounded the trumpet blast, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given you the city. Twenty says, Verse 20 says, When the trumpet sounded, 
The people shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the walls collapsed. So every man charged straight in, and they took the city. On the seventh day, the seventh time around, these guys praised. And when they lifted up a shout of praise, that is when the, falls, the walls fell down. If you are going through a process, praise. Maybe you haven't even started the process yet, praise. Maybe the process, God has already led you through a process and you're on the other side of it, praise. Praise. Praise is what brings the walls down. Don't get stuck in the middle of the process. Don't get scared by the walls. Don't get scared by this process. But praise through this process. We should remember that praise will bring down the walls. Remember to praise through the process. God knows what he is doing. And our job, trust, totally obey, take on the adversities, and praise through the process. The outcome, I promise you, the outcome will be amazing if we just trust the process. Let's stand and we'll pray. And if you are, if you're, if you're going through a process right now, if you're just going through something, I want you to go ahead and just um, lift your hands up to the Lord. It's an act of surrender. That's what we're doing. We're going to pray. Lord, we come, God, we just thank you. Lord, we thank you that you are in control, <clears throat> that you have our lives, our hearts, our world in your hands, God. You know what you are doing, Lord. And I just ask that for everybody in this room, that we would just trust you, God. That we would be obedient to your word and what you have told us to do, God, even if it seems to be uncomfortable, Lord. And that we wouldn't be uh, fearful of things that might come our way, but we would take those adversities on, God. And we would face them with you, Lord, because we know that you are in control, God. So, Lord, I just ask that um, right now as we stand that we would just start trusting the process. Trust what you are taking us through, God, because we know that we have victory on the other side, Lord. And I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. Thanks for being a part of the Indianola First podcast. Join us next week to stay updated on our latest messages.